everyone. Welcome to Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Melito Connors, a doctoral level educational administrator and mental health practitioner focused on helping you, our world's helpers. Every day, we have a choice to prioritize our well-being, to incorporate reflection, recovery, renewal, and resilience strategies into our lives. However, those of us who step up and serve our communities in healthcare, education, nonprofit spaces, and more can struggle with putting ourselves first. I've seen this firsthand, and it's a challenge. Enter Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. Here, we have real, intimate conversations with leading experts passionate about accessible, sustainable self-care in its 10 domains. It's all about the hard work we can take on together to find our spotlight. And before we dive into today's guest, we're going to talk a lot about the concept of body grief. I've talked about this a little bit, and earlier on in my eating disorder recovery days, I can really remember how real this was for me in almost mourning the loss of a smaller body and mourning the loss of my thin body as my body fought back really to save me in my early recovery days and I gained weight rather rapidly. I can remember thinking things like my body is failing me and just being really warped and twisted in that thought process. And it was very difficult to work through that and and kind of overcome that. And even still, like sometimes those little shades of of diet culture and and fat phobia kind of creep into my life. I'll, I'll share a recent story. I was trying on a dress for a friend's wedding coming up in a couple of months and the dress doesn't quite fit how I want. And I was looking to see if maybe my mom could help me make some alterations or what I could do to it. And I started to like feel bad about myself for a minute. And I thought, you know, I'm fat. That's the problem. But this time I was quickly able to shift that mindset. And I was like, no, I'm not the problem. My body is not the problem. The problem is this dress doesn't fit me. This dress is the problem. This company who caters to plus size women and women in larger bodies doesn't accommodate my body. So what does that say? I'm not the problem. But being able to shift that was huge growth for me. And I really recognized that recently in myself and felt kind of proud. So I thought I would I would share that with you. Sometimes it's all about those mindset shifts. If that had happened to me, oh, I don't know eight or 10 years ago, that would have sent me into such a spiral tizzy of a tailspin. And I would have been doing all the terrible behaviors and more that I was doing to try to keep myself in a smaller body, which is not something that um, I'm built for. And it's not for me, apparently, at least not at this moment in time. So it was just that little shift. I thought to myself, wow, that's growth. And today we're going to talk to someone who also can share in that. And her name is Brianna Campos or Brie as she goes by. And I'm so excited to talk to her. I've been following her on social media for many years. She is a licensed mental health counselor based in New Jersey as a body image educator and the founder of Body Image with Brie. She's passionate about all things body image and practices through the lenses of health at every size and intuitive eating. Utilizing a weight inclusive approach, she combines her clinical skills and lived experience to teach others how to maneuver through their own individual body image exploration. 
She specializes in body image education, including her unique framework on body grief. And without further delay, here is our conversation. Hi, Bree. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like, I feel like I'm a little starstruck having you having you here with me. It's so cool. So I'm dying to know, how do you like to practice self-care? It's a great question. I'd love to tell you. Um, yeah, so self-care is something I, I definitely struggle with, which I feel like most people in our profession probably struggle with. You know, we we're, we teach it, but I'm like, do as I, I say, not as mm, I do. Fair. Um, <laughs> I would say some of my my best self-care usually involves like some sort of body of water. Mm. Like I like being like swimming in the pool or hot tub, something like that. Uh, Definitely something social. So being with other people. Um, And then I would say like on a on a regular day to day um, basis, self-care really just looks at like, am I am I meeting my basic functioning needs like did I eat today? <laughs> Did I brush my teeth? Did I, you know, get dressed? Those are things that just help me to feel uh, most human. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you're ever in the Boston area and it's the warmer months, you have an open invite to my pool. We can do we can do oh. some dancing and <laughs> um, I might take you. All right. Have you ever? <laughs> absolutely. Have you ever done like water? I'm just curious, like Zumba. I love like Aqua Zumba and like stuff like oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Love. Yeah. Love. There was a there was a bunch of my friends who went to to a water aerobics class in the city. And I was like, I'd love to do that. But just the trek to the city. I'm like, oh, it's so far. <laughs> yeah, that can be a bummer for sure. But exactly. so much fun. So can you also explain a little bit and like about your business and kind of tell us how that got started and maybe a little bit of your why? Yeah. So uh, if you don't know me, if you don't follow my work, my name is Bree. I live in New Jersey, recently just moved, and I identify as a body image coach and educator. And I help not only folks who are grieving their bodies, but also uh, providers and professionals as well um, who want to be able to uh, incorporate body grieving into their work. And so a little bit behind my why, um, I am a licensed mental health counselor, got my start in working in eating disorder recovery. And uh, in the beginning of my, my journey, I just felt like there weren't providers that were able to hold this conversation around body image. Like I kept waiting for the person to have the hard conversation. When I realized that people weren't having the conversation, I decided that I would start having them and realized, I don't know what to say. I'm going to do this wrong. Uh, but utilized the same skill sets that I would use in any other context of grief or, you know, difficult trauma conversations, how to stay trauma informed. Uh, and just found that there was, there was a great need. And that I knew that if I could figure out how to help heal my own body image, that I would be able to help others heal theirs. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to ask you a little bit, like the whole concept of, of body grief. I think you were the first person that I ever, when I was in my own healing journey and kind of going through that, it was your work that really conceptualized that for me, just kind of learning about you, hearing about you. And this was several years ago even. And I remember being like, yes, that, that's what I'm experiencing. Cause I had, 
you know, struggled with weight for many years, had gotten myself into very deep, dark places with various eating disorders. And once I started to heal, the weight came on with a vengeance very quick. And all of a sudden it was like I felt like. my whole body was failing me is actually what it felt like. And I remember just being like, what is happening? Like what? And I didn't have like the, the, the terminology and the concept. It was actually the idea of body grief that really kind of helped me understand like, Oh yes, now this makes sense. This is what's happening. This Mm. is going to be a process. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So even just in your, in your words and your terminology, like the weight came on with a vengeance and it's like, when we can look at it on the, the at like on the other side, it's like your body was literally doing the thing it needed to do to survive. Yes. Like your body, it went into a life preserving measure of, Oh, thank God. And, and it, I think it grieves us because of the association that we've connected to it of what are the things that we lose because of this weight gain. And so when I, I, I've sort of crafted this definition of uh, body grief from my own experience with grief and then tied with my body image experience. And so uh, the definition I have is that body grief is, a per- is the perceived loss that causes distress mm. accompanied with one's body's changing. And, and, and the reason it's such a, a vast definition is because this is applicable for somebody who's experiencing menopause, somebody who is going through puberty, right? It's the body change that causes distress. Mm. And, and so I, I think that when we have lived our entire life in the grasp of diet culture and diet culture has told us you have to be smaller. You have to be thin. You have to lose weight. When you are giving that up to make peace with food in your body, nobody was holding the conversation of your body is going to get Mm. bigger. Like it is a very rare experience that your body gets smaller. Like it's like, Oh, your body may get bigger. It may get smaller. Let's be real. Is your body's going to get bigger? And you like it's it's saving your life Mm -hmm. it is you are no longer fighting your body and so what i found with myself is that there were things that i was too ashamed to admit out loud of what is the story behind my body getting bigger because it it wasn't necessarily the weight change but the grief associated with it so i had a fear being a professional no one would take me seriously in our field Mm -hmm. if I still looked like a before photo. Mm. Like there were just these major components of grief that I had to acknowledge of, wow, that fear is real. And is it true? Is there evidence to support that? And there are, there are people who probably would look at me and discredit me. And what I can recognize and hold on to now is that that is more about that person. Right and their experience uh, in connectedness to the world and to their bodies. And it doesn't mean it it just defines my body or my experience. Um, but it also doesn't mean that it, it isn't hurtful. And so I think when we are holding on so tightly to, you know, the thin ideal or all of the promises the diet culture has lied to us for years around, you realize, oh, it was all made up. 
it was all fake. Like everybody is going to experience shame, judgment, uh, not belonging. Every person is going to experience hardship and existing in a larger body is going to be harder because the world was not created for us. Um, but it still doesn't mean it's our body's fault. Right. How do we move through that? Yeah. Beautiful. No, it's such important work. And that, that mindset shift of understanding that it's not like your body is not the problem. It's, it's the fact these clothing companies that in society in general that claim, you know, whatever, and then turn around and it's like, okay, this isn't, this is a couple, you know, three XL for who? Like, or, or we go plus size, we carry XL. What? (laughs) Right. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. I mean, yeah. even now, like my wardrobe, literally, currently, like today, I have clothing that's XL. And I have clothing that's got a four X on it. Like, how is that mm-hmm. a thing? Like, that's just <laughs> insane. Imagine, imagine, like if our job was like that, where we're like, oh, like we don't, have, like we're gonna just make it up as we go yeah. along. Like maybe one day we'll do this, and maybe one day we'll do this, and <laughs> we're gonna charge you differently depending on yeah. that. Like. People would be upset by that, but we accept it from the clothing industry. We accept that, yeah, this is just the way that it is. My goodness. And I think for me, too, there was a, and and I'm sure this is something you've seen in your work, almost a loss of identity that went along with um, my changing body. And like, I like found myself not really knowing who I was anymore as a person in a larger body. And especially like someone always kind of prided myself on style and being, you know, a little flashy and loving sequins and leopard print and rhinestones and jewelry. And for a second I was like, I'm never going to, I'm going to lose that. Like I thought I would have to lose that in, in the the healing process. And then slowly it kind of just happened where I, I found my groove again. I found myself style again and then someone actually asked me to to write an article for a um for a magazine column that they were working on and I was like oh wait you want you want my opinion on fashion oh maybe I still am maybe this Aww. works and I was like and like that like it was, I love it was it. silly but I was like oh no like wait I I do still have a style no I can't like this is still me I'm still me like even in a larger mm. body but like, it was just part of that whole process um and kind of in, in going through that and, and really refining my identity in a larger body yeah I think there's a grief of your identity as well and um I don't know if you're familiar with Stacey Bias's uh work on um the fatty archetypes and I don't think so. um yeah, and so she has a couple of different archetypes of which uh, fat people usually fall into. And I know one of the identities that was so hard for me to lose was being a good fatty. Mm. Right, That was all I wanted to do. It's like, I'm fat, but at least I'm healthy. At least I'm strong. At least I work out. And, you know, every layer of my of my grief, the more that I was like, huh, you know, like I'm still tethered to um, my workout experience because what happens if my body changes? Mm. That it was another layer of grief that I had to unlearn. Um, clothing, I think for me, it was, I don't even know if I had a style. I just wore what I thought I was supposed to. And there was like a little bit of a scarcity of like, well, it fits. So we're going to buy it and we're going to wear it. And so now, and especially now that I've moved and I've, I've gotten rid of so many clothes of like, how do I pick clothes in my closet that I love? And I also can recognize that there's privilege in being able to say, I, I can buy clothes that fit my body where there are people that 
if they either can't afford the clothes that are plus size or, um, you know, like even being on the larger end of some of the plus size clothing and thinking like, Oh, well, if, what happens if I needed the next size up? Um, but it's all, it's all part of that, that grieving process. Um, which is why, which is why I, um, recently, uh, my trademark for body grievers was, um, approved because this concept of like, I, I, yes, I accept my body and I am first and foremost, a body griever mm. that I will constantly grieve my body. And it doesn't mean that I don't have a full and wonderful and amazing life. Like I used to think it would. Right. Yeah. The water's fine on the other side. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The water's cool. Jump yeah. on in. So how, how do you like help someone get started who overcoming their body grief? Like, is there like a starting point or like something? I don't know. How do you, how do you get someone started? Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like when I started this work of like trying to figure out my own body image stuff, I would, I was on, I was a Pinterest girl. I was like, okay, Pinterest, heal my body image. <laughs> and it would be like, wear an outfit that makes you feel great and like i don't know say affirmations and i was like all of this is crap i hate it <laughs> this is not gonna help me and so what i want to say to the person who is grieving their body is um i hear you and i see you and trust me when i tell you that you're not alone you are absolutely not alone and what I want to remind you is that this process ain't sexy. I would love to be like, yep, try my five-step formula <laughs> and you will heal your body grief. And you know what, what that would be? That would be another diet. Mm. That would be diet culture. Um, I, I really think that the key to grieving our bodies, I, I have this formula that I'll, I share with folks. The first step in grieving our body is building awareness mm. For me, it was building awareness. How do I talk to myself? How do I talk about bodies? How do I feel about bodies in general? How do I feel about bodies that look like mine? How do I feel about bodies that look larger than mine? What stories have I connected and attached to? How am I speaking and communicating to myself when I experience discomfort uh, or distress? So that was the first step. The second step is active unlearning, right? It's not, it's not just, okay, like, cool. I know this thing now it's, and how do we stop doing this thing? I, I remember it even started in grad school that I, I used to say things to myself like, oh, you're such an idiot. And I remember thinking like, that has to impact my self-esteem, mm -hmm. right? When I degrade myself, um, even just so like nonchalantly, is there a way that I could effectively communicate to myself like, hey, I'm frustrated we messed this up without denigrating myself? And so I started challenge, like trying to challenge that self-talk of like, okay, I'm frustrated that I messed this up. I'm frustrated that this, got, this messed up. But it's not that I am a problem because right. it got messed up. And then realized, ooh, but I'm doing it in other areas, like with my body specifically. So the formula is building awareness plus active unlearning over time in community. Mm. I don't believe that time in and of itself heals anything, right? Like, you know, that saying like time heals all wounds. Now that's no. crap. The time doesn't heal. Time doesn't heal anything. The only thing time does is allows the wound to become more familiar. Mm. And if in that time you have familiarity 
and you have some tools and resources to get in and challenge that of, okay, I no longer want to call myself an idiot. How do I change that speak? What do I do? And over time, you'll be like, oh, remember I used to do that thing and I don't do it anymore. That's really cool. Oh, remember I used to... Um, you know, you know, do this really disordered, uh, body image thing. I don't do that anymore. That's pretty cool. And then you're like, Oh no, but now there's five other things that I need to do. <laughs> and it, can, it can feel daunting if you're like, Oh my gosh, when, when do I get to stop doing this body image work? Cause I'm done. Want to tap out. And, uh, and that's why the community piece is so helpful is because when you are with and around other people who are feeling and going through the same thing, you no longer have to look for the light at the end of the tunnel. You just get to look around you Mm. and see, Oh, you know what? I'm not alone here and this sucks, but we get to sit in this together. Yeah. A hundred percent. That community piece is, is so important. I think, you know, a lot of times people want to just be seen and heard and that sense of belonging. And when you, sometimes you're the only one that's in a larger body, maybe in the group of your friends or whatever, like sometimes that can just feel like weird. Like I remember when I started gaining weight, some of my, a lot of my identity and some of my friendships were built around, um, exercise and like talking about exercise and exercise was actually one of my like things that I did as a, as a purging method. And it wasn't great. So I can remember like one friend in particular, I didn't see her for a while. And I knew that the next time I saw her, I had gained a ton of weight. And like, I was concerned about that. Like, I remember saying to my husband, like, Oh my God, like, I don't know. It was the first time so-and-so was going to see me like heavier. And he was like, yeah. And she loves you no matter what, like she's your friend. And I was like, and guess yeah. what? Guess what's never come up that like <laughs> we're, right. we're still friends. Like right. it was, wasn't a big deal. She wasn't, she didn't like see me and was like, Oh, what happened? Like it was like, but I had this like in my head all contorted and, and twisted up that this was going to be a big issue. And, and, and it wasn't. And I I just have to say, like, there are times where it might be where there might be somebody who does say something to you and you're like, oh, my God. And how do I respond if this happens? And, And and what I'll encourage you is that you don't have to have a script. You don't have to be prepared. Um, You get to answer it exactly how you want and how you feel. I am through and through a conflict avoidant person, um, no matter, you know, how many, uh, you know, self-efficacy courses and blah, 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 whatever. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I don't like conflict. (laughs) Probably goes back to my, my people pleasing roots. And at the end of the day, it's like, it depends on how spicy I feel that Mm. day. So if somebody's really pissing me off, I might be like, oh, okay, well, you care about my health, but you didn't care that I was dying from an eating disorder. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) I I normally probably don't go that route and maybe we'll go more towards the, you know, (laughs) use my my therapeutic skills of, I'm curious why, you know, you would bring that up to me. Like, I wonder really like it. Are you truly concerned for my health or are you concerned for my fatness? (laughs) Um, But you you get to decide how to have these conversations if you want to have these conversations. There are people that I won't even try because I'm like, nope. uh, I don't have the spoons for that. I'm not good. No, and that's that's very true. And that was just one example. I mean, I've certainly 
<laughs> certainly had less uh, less stellar interactions um, sure. and even still like a, you know a colleague recently was like all excited to tell me that she's on Weight Watchers I was like oh cool as I'm like picking up a cookie in the in the teacher's lounge and I'm like cool I'm not <laughs> yoink right in my mouth and she's like <laughs> she's kind of looked inside to tell I'm like no no I, I'm like I don't do that and I tried to just kind of like get away from her but then she kind of kept going and so finally oh, I just turned yeah. around and I was like yeah well I'm actually in recovery from multiple eating disorders so I really try to practice intuitive eating and I really adopted like a health at every size perspective. And like, I kind of just like went off and in a very nice tone, and like her jaw just like dropped. And she's like, wait, you're in recovery for an eating disorder? Like, I, I don't understand. Like what? And I know uh-huh. that like she wanted to be like, but you're fat. Like, how are you? Like, I just think like, I just rocked like her whole existence. And like, I just kind of smiled and was like, took my cookies and went back down to my office. <laughs> and I think they're like, I used to, like when I would share that I was on a diet, I was looking for people to congratulate yeah. me. So she was probably yeah. looking for you to be like, good for no, you. And it's so funny <laughs> when people are like, when you know they're fishing and you're just like awkward. Pause. Yeah. I'm going to take a really long sip of my drink and make it real awkward here. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, it's kind of funny. And, and, you know, I can think of other, certainly other examples. That's just a, a recent one, but it's kind of, it's wild too. And once you start to like, reject it and and push back on it like you the more you see it's like the clearer it gets and it's it's kind of wild but did you hear the news about our exciting new offering from the self-care cabaret we're calling it talk back if you're familiar with the theater space you may have participated in a talk back before after a performance the cast and crew will come back on stage to chat with the audience and answer questions think of it as a casual guided discussion Inspired by this and by popular interest, we've come up with a talkback for the Self-Care Cabaret podcast. Groups will listen to a podcast episode or two of their choosing. Then I'll come and lead your discussion, either in person or virtually, of those episodes, expanding on the big ideas. It's a great option for groups looking for short, impactful professional development or smaller teams looking to get an introduction to self-care and well-being. We have done a few of these so far, and let me say, they have been so much fun. So if you're interested in bringing a talk back to your group or organization, email podcast at drmcselfcare.com. And now, on with the show. So speaking of, sure. um, you know, health at every size, I did mention that just briefly. And I know you subscribe to that. Um, you know, your work is through that yeah. lens, which I love. And that's so important. Um, what do you say to like the naysayers with health at every size? Because I know like sometimes people <laughs> hear that and they they bristle a little. They don't quite understand it. Yeah. So um, I would say for the naysayers that um, you can't naysay what you don't know. So that's first of all. And, and some of the pushback that I've gotten is like, but you just can't be healthy at every size. And I'm like, okay, but the movement is not healthy at every size. It is health at every size, which in and of itself means that every person has the right to the pursuit of health with dignity. And that, that should be a universal thing that we all want. Um, and, and I think that there's a, I want to say like a barrier, but it's also like, the system was designed this way, right? The system isn't flawed. It was intended to be flawed. That, you know, we live in a culture, especially if you live in the U.S., where our health insurance is for profit, Mm -hmm. um, which means that the wealthier you are, the more health, quote-unquote, you can, uh, you know, 
per cure. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's not a just system. What I know is that in my largest and least mobile body, I am the healthiest I have ever been. And it has nothing to do with what I do or what I, I am not doing. And I think that there is such a, um, there's, there's such a narrative that we have control over our health and we don't, right? It's a facade. And so for the naysayers, I, I mean, take your negativity somewhere else, but <laughs> I would, I would encourage you to maybe actually do some reading and, and education. Um, and then even furthermore of if you talk to a person who exists uh, with any sort of marginalization, uh, especially when it comes to body size, we don't want to be treated specially. We wanted to be treated. We want to be treated equally. We want to be treated with the same rights. Like I had a cold last week and everyone's like, why don't you go to the doctor? Why don't you go to the doctor? I'll give you five reasons why I won't go to the doctor. But because I know that it's a common cold or sinuses, but I'm going to get a lecture on my BMI instead. Right. How does that not impact health? That if I'm coming in for something that is absolutely not correlated to my weight, but I get a lecture on my weight as well. And then when I when I tell when like if I've made that comment before, people are like, well, your doctors have a right to to educate you. And it's like, okay, but my doctor is educated in eating disorder recovery. And here's what I know from somebody who has been a therapist in eating disorder recovery and who in and of itself, I believe I've recovered from an eating disorder. Um, maybe not, uh, a quote unquote typical eating disorder, but definitely in orthorexia, uh, is nobody cared that I had an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Deb, Deb Dana, uh, is somebody who speaks, uh, in the health at every size community. And she has this quote that's like, what was prescribed in them was diagnosed in me what was prescribed in a thin or what was prescribed uh for a a, i said it backwards what was uh just uh diagnosed in them was prescribed in me so i was prescribed an eating disorder because i was fat Mm. and they were diagnosed with an eating disorder because they were thin Mm. interesting right that because of our body sizes if my client wanted to eat a cookie it was a good thing because they're making peace with food but if i was eating a cookie right. it was what about my health right you mm-hmm. shouldn't be eating the cookie because yep. that could mess with your blood sugar that can mess with your health right. that's not healthy <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> my goodness <laughs> and what we know now right is that it's it's less about you know what you're eating and and how much you're eating and more about how you feel about what you're eating um because if the stress of eating and movement is causing a shame narrative within you like that is going to impact not only your mental and your physical health but it leads to restriction it leads to uh uh eating disorder behaviors it leads to things that should be concerning to our world and unfortunately are not as concerning as someone existing in a larger body. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just want to go back to the community comment that you made um, a little while ago, because I was thinking a lot of times when I present to various groups of folks on different topics related to self-care and trauma recovery, I often um, 
disclose that I'm in recovery for disordered eating and exercise bulimia. Mm. And I, I usually share that. And then we get into the physical medical domain and I usually do my little tap dance around, um, you know, how there's a lot of bias in the medical community and it's difficult to get weight neutral care. And I'm like, I speak for myself and I, I you know, I do this kind of whole sure. thing. Almost every single time I do that, someone or a couple people either email me later or stay a couple minutes later to just talk to me and like, tell me like, thank you for saying that. Thank you so much. Mm. Like my daughter struggles with, with weight or wow. I had the same issue. It's like, ev- so I say it every time. Cause I'm like, I know someone in this audience really it's has to hear this. Person. And this is usually like to groups of educators, helping professionals, that kind of stuff. But like that one piece just always hits sure. like really hard to at least one person. And so I'm okay with being vulnerable as long as it's going to help somebody. Right. And, um, same. so like, but, but I think just letting them like, it's, helps them to feel heard and seen Mm -hmm. and to like see me up there in front of them like doing my thing and being confident and looking cute or whatever and and have like getting being like oh wow like yeah she gets it like that wow like it's 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 been really cool to um to to experience in in my work I love that. Yeah. I love that. And it's the same way I feel on social media of my social media started because I just wanted somebody else to know, like, you're not alone. Like if you have felt this, I have felt this too. And, um, I, my, res- my message has resonated with people. Yeah. It resonates because I say the quiet part out loud and I have found a way through a lot of the quiet parts that I was like, Oh, nobody's talking about this of, I remember the first time that I, um, I knew that I needed a seatbelt extender, but I was too ashamed to ask for one. And, uh, like nobody was talking about that. If I were to have Googled, like how to ask for a seatbelt extender, I'm sure the only thing that would have come up would have been like lose weight. (laughs) And now it's like a common occurrence that I just say, Hey, if you need a seatbelt extender when you are flying, that's okay. That is completely normal. That seat the the seatbelts on the airplane they are like I think they I think the statistic is like six inches shorter than they used to be ten years ago. So <laughs> the the thing that is causing you shame is it causing you shame because it's something you believe or something you were taught? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great example. And but then we we somehow internalize that and then feel bad about ourselves. And For so sure. it's so like twisted up. We need more breeze in the world to help share this and spread this around. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great segue into my la- one of my last questions for you is about you know, I'm assuming a lot of your work um, includes a lot of advocacy in helping folks. Of and course. what do you have? you know, any tips or like tricks that you try to share with people to help, you know, create more fat friendly spaces and acceptance in the world? Mm. Man. Okay. So great, great question. Follow up question. (laughs) Am I talking to the person who exists in a larger body? Am I talking to the provider who is trying to make Mm. an environment? Who's my person in a larger body who maybe is afraid to, doesn't really maybe know where to start or afraid to speak up. Yeah. Um, great question. I would love to tell you, I I know that it's something that I, I feel like Instagram has just been such a great way of bringing about community and connecting. Um, 
and, you know, seeing if people have programs and opportunities that you can get involved with. Uh, my, my community, we have the body grievers and it's because I'm so passionate about giving people a space, um, to explore their body grief. Uh, and I'll tell them, I'm like, don't, if you think that you're going to heal your body image in the time that we're together, you're in the wrong group. Like this is the body <laughs> grievers group. This is not the heal your body in 10 weeks group. Um, but I know that I'm not the only one. I know there are other spaces. I think what what can be so hard too is that, um, and what you had mentioned, are there are in the past the way we had community was through um, like exercise, mm. right? And so if I were to go back and do it again uh, and figure out like how do I find my community other than that Instagram and you know through these shared online spaces. I would have said, what do I want to do? Like, who are the people that I want to be spending my time with? I probably would have joined like a, um, uh, oh gosh, an improv group, Mm. right? Like I would have tried to find community in a way that where we had a common goal that had nothing to do with body size, Mm. that had nothing to do. I might've joined like an acapella choir and maybe not finding people who look you know, exactly like me or are on the same page. Um, but if we can find a community where our common goal has nothing to do with how we look and how much we weigh, uh, how does that transcend? How does that change uh, the way we show up in those communities? Um, I definitely think that like, um, you know, I know myself, I don't know if you have any offerings where people can connect, but, um, I know I always try to do some like lower cost offers as well for people. Um, and I've had people who've come to those and then connected Mm -hmm. with each other and then been like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know you were right in my neighborhood. Like I didn't realize we were so close, (laughs) even just from, from this call. Yeah. So opportunity lies everywhere, but I would definitely say, uh, I think as a, as a radical act of self-care, figure out what you would want to be doing, what your most aligned self would want to be doing if your body didn't stand in your way. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I think you should do improv. (laughs) I feel like you'd be really good. (laughs) Do you have a theater background? I'm just curious. I do have a theater background. See, this was, I think this was destiny for Um, What like musical theater, acting, like what? Of course. Yes. All, all of it. So you you dance also? I, a long time ago, I used to, you know, I used to, da- I always, I, I, I acknowledged myself first as an actor, then as a singer and was a dancer by default. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm opposite. I'm a dancer first, oh. um, oh. then a singer and then an actor by default. An actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I have, I mean, my whole Dr. MC self-care cabaret, it's all, I mean, it's me. It's how I show up in the world and oh. it's, it, and I bring in kind of my theater experience and to me it's performing. I mean, even oh. doing this is, is performing. A lot of my Instagram, like I'm very real in my Instagram, but like, I think one of the things that makes it easy for me to run an Instagram or run a podcast, it's like, I just love entertaining the yeah. people. <laughs> A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I love it. Yeah. We could start, we could start our own, uh, uh, you know, fat improv. Oh my goodness. We should do it. (laughs) Let's do it. it. So last, but certainly not least, where can folks find you online and connect with you if they're interested in, in following along and, and all that good stuff? 
Yeah. So um, the best place to hang out with me is on Instagram, Body Image with Brie. I have my podcast, The Body Grievers Club, uh, which is at the time of this recording currently on a break, but we're making a comeback. Nice. Um, Haven't been able to manage doing both. I'm very super neurodivergent and like late in life diagnosis. So I'm like, oh, this is why I have a hard time multitasking. So <laughs> it's good. We're coming around to it. Um, we, yeah, I would say check us out there. And then you can also check out my website, uh, which is, uh, www.bodyimagewithbree.com. Awesome. And we'll make sure that's all linked in the episode notes. And some of those other things that you mentioned, we'll link those as well. So folks can, uh, can connect and, and look deeper into things if they'd like, but thank you so much, Brie, for coming to chat with me. It was, it was an honor to connect and have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Such a, such a pleasure. It was such an honor to chat and connect with Brie. We legit could have chatted all day, and I hope there's a pool day sometime in our future. Her work is so important and helping folks understanding the reality of body grief and working through what that process is is really powerful. And examining just your relationship with your body in general is good for everyone. Bodies are complicated. Health is complicated. Relationships can be complicated and that's okay. And I love how she talked about thinking about your most aligned self and what would you want to do if your body didn't stand in your way. Take a moment to just think about that. And I just... She was great. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you're feeling more energized and empowered. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and leave a review for this podcast on your preferred platform. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self Care and Dr. MC's Self Care Cabaret on LinkedIn. You can also visit my website, drmcselfcare.com, for the latest updates and to sign up for my cast party, my e-newsletter. And if you're interested in having me present to an audience near you, email info at drmcselfcare.com. Thanks again. Stay well and do good.